The Discerning Geeks Portal's Babylon 5 spin-off podcast was a dream given form. Its goal, to review each episode of Babylon 5, a show about officers, telepaths, criminals, and ambassadors, humans and aliens wrapped in five seasons of storytelling, standing tall amongst the rest. It can be a classic show, but it's our lasting best hope, for science fiction. These are our reviews of the original Babylon 5 TV show. The year is 2022. The name of the podcast is Discerning Lurkers Portal. Welcome back, Discerning Lurkers, to the Discerning Lurkers Portal of Babylon 5 podcast, where each week, Todd takes us behind the scenes, delves deep, and helps us learn a little bit more about the Babylon 5 universe as we go episode by episode. I knew I was going to flub it somehow. There it goes. We're, <laughs> we're a little out of practice. <laughs> into the Babylon 5. Todd, how are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. How about you? I am good. I suffered with a little bit of the flu a few weeks ago, and it's been a little busy. We are prime into the holiday season. Uh, what Christmas is... It'll be a week away tomorrow. So, um, you know, we're recording this, but it's busy time and it's been a little tough to to get some recording time and we're a little out of practice, but we're going to make this a good episode. We got a a pretty interesting episode to, to talk about today. Episode 15 entitled Grail. And in this episode, we have a seeker of the Holy Grail coming to Babylon 5. A little bit of an unusual uh, little bit of a plot going on there. And then we also have a crewman who gets kind of in mixed in with the, the little bit of a bad crowd in the bad sectors of Babylon 5 and learns that there is a mind-wiping alien on board. So he also was a part of all the other Babylon 5 projects and felt like he was cursed. If you ever left, that Babylon 5 might not exist. So um, got quite a few little plots going on here with the episode Grail. Did I miss anything big, Todd? Uh, no, no, I think that's it. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit in our blue sector, give give us the the deets on this episode. Okay. So you already mentioned that this is the 15th episode and that's in terms of the broadcast schedule, but according to the production schedule, it was the ninth one. And this, I think, might be our first episode going in a slightly different order than what some people might be used to if they're going by the DVDs. And, and don't go by what H- HBO Max does. I, I don't know what they're doing. They're they're just using random numbers over there. Uh, but this, we are going by the JMS viewing order, with JMS standing for J. Michael Straczynski, the guy who created the show. Some of season one was kind of done out of order, and at some point he kind of suggested to fans what is the best viewing order. So this is the 14th episode according to that order. Uh, originally, the episode TKO would be here in the 14th spot according to the original broadcast schedule. Uh, this was originally aired on June 6, 1994. It was written by Christy Marks, 
and directed by Richard Compton. Uh, this was the final episode to be directed by Richard Compton. Apparently, there was a disagreement over how the episode was directed, but I was actually rereading a, a section or two of J. Michael Straczynski's autobiography entitled Becoming Superman, and it turns out that I think he might have had some issues with Richard Compton possibly from the beginning. So it's possible that them getting rid of Richard Compton was like a process in the making. And this was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. But at the same time, it was weird. I, I'll, I, I was going to mention this in gray sector, but I think he was kind of sort of fired, but mm. it was the type of thing where he wasn't exactly fired from this episode. It's like, they were like, Okay, don't come back, but finish the episode. <laughs> and because uh, uh, uh. and so he he had a very bad attitude throughout this episode, and it may be why this episode turned out the way it did. Uh, oh, and I was mentioning the HBO Max order. I think HBO Max has the quality of mercy as the 14th episode of season one, but that is actually the 21st episode according to the original broadcast schedule and 19th according to the JMS schedule. So yeah, again, HBO max is just all over the place. Yeah. I think I had to skip like two episodes to get to this one. Cause you know, I have to have HBO max to be able to watch them now. And yeah, I was all over the place. I was like, okay, please watch your step. This is a low gravity area. Please hold handrails at all times. Leaving blue sector, now entering red sector. So tell me what what's your initial reaction? I kind of get a a little bit of a, a vibe that this is not one of the strongest ones for you. Yeah, it's not exactly a bad episode, but it's one of the least good amongst mediocre episodes. Um, it's actually got a halfway decent concept and a nice way of blending different plot lines. But it's still a little bit thin overall, and the performance of one particular novice guest actor is a bit distracting. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. How, how do you feel about it? Uh, there, and I think that distracting is a good word. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about it when we kind of get to that brown sector. There were a few elements in this episode that interrupted the immersion that you usually get when watching a Babylon five episode. Usually I'm all into it. I'm following along and I'm all with the characters. And there were a few things that as I was watching it, instead of enjoying the story, I was kind of like, Oh, okay. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it kind of kicks you out of that, that real immersion that, that is makes it so enjoyable. Um, I mean, it, it's not a horrible plot. It, it, it's it's kind of there's some cool stuff going on, and there's some some funny scenes, but it was also kind of shallow. I guess is another good term for this episode. I felt like it was a little shallow. It didn't get very deep. Yeah. Um, and and when, like I said, I'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to Brown Sector. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the the story here. I think I kind of mentioned in the breakdown, we got several little plots going on. Um, I think you did a better job of getting everybody's names. So talk, tell us a little bit about more about what's going on in this episode. Okay. So the A plot is that down below criminal Deuce uses a mind wiping alien disguised as Kosh, supposedly, to disable a witness who could testify against him in the station court. 
the B plot is that somebody who considers himself a true seeker boards the station looking for the Holy Grail. And Lynn and Lanier are really impressed by this. And then there's a C plot that a pickpocket named Jinxo, who worked on all four previous Babylon stations, believes Bab- Babylon 5 will be destroyed if he ever leaves it. And even though uh, the one book that I use for a little bit of guidance on this stuff list those as three separate plots, they really intertwine quite a bit to where, it, yeah. in a way, it's kind of one giant plot with just three different focuses. Yeah, there was some. I, I thought it was kind of interesting that we had Jinxo. I wanted to enjoy more of the kind of court that was going on. And it seems like we had another episode where there was, you know, kind of these little brief glimpses into some of the court that's going on. This like this, I don't know, intergalactic court. And there was, a, like I said, there was the funny scene where the guy is is trying to sue the what is typical in our society. We call the what the Greys or something yeah. alien. And he looks just like the Greys. And he's like, oh, look, we found documentation that his grandfather, you know, basically abducted and did experiments on my grandfather and we want repercussions. And it's like, okay, that's kind of funny. But it really didn't have anything to do with anything. <laughs> it was So So the plot, the, the, the scene is there. The scene is enjoyable. But like I said, it's kind of shallow. And yeah, then we have the mind wiping alien and and probably the best part of that was Londo's reaction to it Uh, because he's basically like, I'm just going to go to my room and, you know, have under guard and nobody's going to get in uh, until you guys take care of this thing because they had had an encounter with them and even quarantined the planet seems like at one point there's a conversation between Londo and I guess the people in his government or whatever. And he's basically trying to tell them to put the quarantine back into place. So I don't know if that got lifted and that's how this thing got off. Or um, I know they, they talked about the jinx uh, or deuces, deuces uh, or deuce. Uh, they, they run, they're smugglers. They're smuggling stuff into Babylon five. Um, and it, this was part of what they smuggled in. What else you got? Talk to me a little bit about uh, what's going on in the Babylon universe in this episode. Well, there's not much, and you already went over some of the extra stuff. But the only thing I have remaining is that uh, at some point when oh, I'm trying to remember his name, Aldous, meets with with Delenn and Lanier. Lanier says that there are two casts of Minbari, warrior and religious. But in the future, we're told that there are three castes, with the third one being the worker caste. And the Great Council is supposed to be three of each. And so I can't help but wonder, was this just a mistake in the script uh, with the Minbari not being fully planned out yet? Or was Lanier being arrogant by leaving out the worker caste? Like, they're not a real caste. Yeah. Uh, I doubt it because, like I said, we whenever we see the worker, or excuse me, the uh, Great Council, it's always three from each caste. So I think this might be a flub up in the script or maybe intentional because maybe JMS wanted it to seem like it was just worker versus religious and he wanted to actually make it sound like the worker cast was easily forgot. I, I'm not sure which it is. Yeah, 
That's a good. I did not pick up on that. So that's kind of cool. That yeah, but he they are very specific talking about kind of the uh, almost the tension between the religious and the warrior class, but mention nothing of the uh, the worker class, the religious and warrior. Yeah, and they did, and they talk about the two classes. So that's interesting. That was kind of an more one of the more interesting things that was going on in this episode was this character looking for the grail and i forgot what you mentioned his name aldous gaiage aldous gaiage yeah in many ways we've talked about this in the past sometimes some of the coolest things that happen on babylon 5 is when you have people that are going from you know race to race to race and meeting with all the different ambassadors um, and that's what he does. He's going, you know, even to the point where he's going to meet with, uh, oh, shoot, my brain is not working, Todd. It's just not working. Uh, he, he went to the Minbari and the Kosh. Right. I, I yeah, Kosh. He, he was going to meet with Kosh. Yeah. But then they, we didn't see Jakar at all Yep. Um, in this episode. So they kind of, I don't know if he just didn't go to them or if they, they, that was an off scene moment. Um, and I know we've kind of talked in the past that some, you know, because of the budget and things with this first season for a while, not all the, the big stars are in every episode. And this was maybe one that he just didn't get to be in, but it was kind of a, a bummer (laughs) not to see that interaction. Because we like seeing that. We like seeing all the different diplomats and how they handle things. Uh, you know, he goes to Londo and is, is talking, and Londo's kind of basically milking him for money. Like, oh, well, it's going to cost us a lot, you know, to, to do this research. And, and there's that and the other. And then his assistant's like, no, I've already done it. Here's all the stuff. <laughs> it's like, he get, Londo gets kind of mad at him, like, you know, hey, you're going to bankrupt the whole republic um, by just being so efficient. So that was pretty cool, uh, which I'm probably kind of getting a little ahead and getting us into our green sector. So you think, are you ready to move on to that next sector, Todd? Yeah, I think so. Now entering green sector. For reminding our listeners, this is where we really talk about the characters, character development, any kind of quotes or things like that that we liked in this episode. We always start with kind of our uh, like first appearances or, or or really important appearances of new characters or maybe last appearances. Um, who do we got in this episode? Okay, this is the first of four appearances of Jim Norton on Babylon Five. He'll show up once more as Ombuds Wellington in season one, so the same role that he played in this one. But then later as a, as a Marcab in season two and as a Narn in season three. Um, so only only two appearances of this character, but four of the actor. Okay. And uh, then do you want me to go through the guest? Yeah. Who do we have guest star? We had kind of quite of a cast in this one. Yeah. This first one's kind of a big deal. We've got David Warner, who plays the true seeker, Oz Gaich. Uh, and he may be well known for playing two villains in Tron, a human ambassador in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, a Klingon chancellor in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and as a Cardassian torturer, I think his name was Gol Madrid, 
in Star Trek The Next Generation episodes, Chain of Command Parts 1 and 2. And Chain of Command Parts 1 and 2, those are two of my favorite episodes of TNG. Uh, Then we've got William Sanderson playing Desmond Muzichinko, also known as Deuce. He had a role in Blade Runner and was also very well known from Newhart as Larry, who had two brothers, both named Daryl. (laughs) <laughs> all right so a little behind the scenes our buddy dave who you know uh, we talk about in our other podcast who was a big star as we started our other podcast who passed away this year um back in high school you know the whole scene was this is my brother you know daryl this is my other brother daryl and it was todd and this was his brother dave and another brother dave so yeah <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it just kind of tickles me that, that that played into this podcast. So yeah. I had to let it know. What else we got? Uh, Tom Booker plays Thomas Jordan, known as Jinxo. He appears to have had steady work uh, document on both Wikipedia and IMDb, but Jinxo was his first role in TV or movies. Okay. And then uh, something that you brought up earlier, the whole thing about the guy whose grandfather or great-grandfather or something like that had been abducted by the Greys. Well, that was actually played by John C. Flynn III, the director of photography. Uh, and he makes one of several cameos, this time as someone who's, who's suing for an old abduction. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it was, it was just a cute little scene. I mean, I, I felt, I don't know if bold is the right word, but... You know, we live in a time when when that's kind of a, a big deal. I, I hadn't heard I hadn't heard too much about it lately, but back in the eighties, you know, it was all the thing. People were being yeah. abducted by greys, and aliens were there and doing experiments, and and you know, we we had alien autopsy. That was supposed to be what they autopsied. So the greys were are kind of seminal, and and it was cool that they were just like, hey, yeah, we're gonna just say that they do exist, and here they are, canon in Babylon Five universe. So. Let's move on. What else we got here? Character development. Yeah. So there, I, I've kind of already mentioned this, but I, I like that Delenn and Lanier and later even Sinclair, they, they kind of have a lot of respect for Aldous as being a true seeker, even though it's uh, a little bit vague as to what he's doing, a little bit weird that he's looking for the Holy Grail, they still respect him for actually believing in something. And even in the end, Garibaldi shows some respect, like when they're they're rolling the coffin out and, and he says, you know, treat it gently, boys. It was kind of interesting because when he shows up, you know, Delenn and Lanier are both like approaching Sinclair and like, what are you doing here? Aren't you going to meet our honored guest? And he's kind of like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and and then it's like he gets drawn away from his supper to meet this person and he finds out they're basically a grail seeker, which for most of us, you know, is equated as a nut job. But it was interesting how the Mimbari very much, uh, I don't want to say idolized, but they held in high regard people who have such a strong dedication to a certain mission you know they're they're yeah. on their mission they don't care what, that anybody scoffs at them they're they're going after it and and it was interesting that to see that part of their uh society as to how they felt about that and it was interesting to see how the others 
opinion of him changed through the episode, kind of admired what he was doing. Um, and like you said, even at the end when it's like, you know, be careful with the coffin that, that was, that was very telling as to how much he had moved up in their eyes. So. And I do have one quote to go along with that, unless you have the same quote. No, I actually did not have a quote in this episode. This is the first one that I didn't have anything that really stuck out. Um, I think. Well, I'm shocked that you don't have the second quote that I have. Because it, the second quote I have is a pretty famous quote. But uh, but since it's related, I'll go ahead and say the, the first one. So Delenn, when they're, when they're having that whole discussion at the beginning that you're talking about, Delenn says, among my people, a true seeker is treated with the utmost reverence and respect. It doesn't matter that his grail may or may not exist. What matters is that he strives for the perfection of his soul and the salvation of his race, and that he has never wavered or lost faith. And Sinclair responds, I wish him luck. He's probably the only true seeker we have. And then Delenn says, then perhaps you do not know yourself as well as you think, kind of implying that there's more to Sinclair and that she actually considers him to be a true seeker. And maybe he doesn't even realize it himself. Uh, and I've also often joked on, on our podcast about how you know, there are often uh, references to him having a hole in his mind and stuff like that. But there's also there is more to Sinclair, at least to the Minbari. Uh, so. Uh, so, yeah, that's like one of Delenn's little hints at that. Okay. And what's your second quote? OK, yeah, this is something that a lot of fans like to to bring up and, and requote a lot. So, yeah, I'm surprised that you didn't record it. So Jinxo, he, he thinks that he if he leaves a station that is going to blow up because that's what happened the first four times or not to say blow up, but either blow up or disappear. So he's leaving Babylon five and everybody's like, well, surely that curse is fake. But they're kind of holding their breath just in case. Right. So then Garibaldi says, no, boom. Sinclair says, no, boom. But then Ivanova steps in and says, no boom today, boom tomorrow. There's always a boom tomorrow. What? Look, somebody's got to have some damn perspective around here. Boom. <laughs> Sooner or later, boom. <laughs> so, and, and we also often joke about her her attitude about things and how she jokes about being Russian and how she, she knows how to be pessimistic. It just kind of plays into, into that attitude of hers. Yeah, I don't know why that didn't stick out to me. There it was very at the very end of the episode, and I. Uh, but yeah, no, that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm glad you you brought that one. Well, are we ready to move into our brown sector? Almost. I've got one thing left, and it might be a, a oh. good transition, and that is a character okay. superlative. Most okay. active eyebrow muscles go to Tom Booker <laughs> as Jinxo. <laughs> And that does. Let's move that into Brown Sector because it's not a positive or a nitpick. <laughs> now entering Brown Sector. Uh, but yeah, it's in our Brown Sector, that's where we kind of get into our bad stuff, our, our nitpicks and our, our dislikes of the episode. So yeah, no, seriously, is that kind of a negative or did you find the, the eyebrow muscles a little distracting? Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, I tried, there was one point where I was thinking, I'm actually going to count the number of times that his eyebrows are distracting. But then I think there was, when I, when I thought of that, then I lost track of that. And I think I, 
uh, was rewatching a scene, but then I looked away for a minute and I was kind of just listening instead of watching. And, and so I, I never did it, but, um, yeah, I'm usually not that critical of performances, but Tom Booker's performance is a little bit shaky. And now I did mention that this was his first major TV or movie role. Uh, so it could be that he did improve. And he, he does have some decent moments. It, it's not all bad, but sometimes he's just a little bit over the top in inflection yeah. or physical movements or shifting of eyebrows or, or whatever. Um, I think I was listening to a podcast and if I remember correctly, some other Babylon five podcast actually got him on as a guest. And I oh. think that he is still in the entertainment industry, but he's doing things like I think comedy improv and so it could be that he is used to doing that kind of over the top acting in the, in that maybe that plays into more comedic roles or his improv work. Uh, and so maybe this just wasn't the right fit for him, especially with it being his first thing. Uh, but he also sounded like a really cool guy and it, and, uh, uh, it, it sounded like he had a good attitude about, you know, no, realizing that he was maybe not that experienced at the time. Yeah, and I kind of mentioned at the beginning, you know, that in some cases, I think his over, I hate to say overacting, but in a way, that's kind of what it is. It was a little distracting <laughs> in the episode and kind of, kind of took me out of the moment. This is one of the first episodes I, I almost had a complaint about the uh, the special effects. I felt that the mind wiping creature was a little distracting. Like at one point it comes out of the encounter suit and it's kind of standing there, but the, the special effects weren't great. You know, it, it looked very, very added later CGI and that distracted me a little bit. Usually that's not a case with when I'm watching Babylon five, but it, but it definitely stuck out with me this time. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, it, it was a cool creature, but there wasn't a lot to it. It was almost like a land tentacle. I don't say octopus. Cause I think it only had like three legs or something like that, but it would kind of swing around on and then suck people's memories. But it was a little weird and, and kind of distracting. It kind of had three walking tentacles, two mind-sucking tentacles, unless those were the same thing as his <laughs> walking tentacles. And then it looked like he had two T-Rex arms. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but as far as the graphics, these were 1990s kind of primitive computer graphics. And, of course, computer graphics and were used for- groundbreaking graphics, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and the graphics were used for the station and ships and stuff like that. Uh, which even those are dated now nowadays, but at least they are of uh, artificial objects and therefore it's okay if they look a little bit more geometric. But with something like this that is supposed to be more close up and biological, uh, that's when it might be a little less forgiving. Uh, right. I thought they were kind of okay for what they were. I think the worst part was when the knuckling feeder gets shot and it's the blood splatter on the wall that actually uh, I think might might have looked the fakest. Well, and then it was very obvious they they shoot it a bunch of times and kill it. And it was very obvious it went from CGI to oh, yeah. we mushed up a bunch of stuff on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like that doesn't even look like the same thing. 
Right. <laughs> it was, it was kind of, it was like I said, it just took me out of the moment. Well, I think I've already mentioned, but and I know you had it in there too. But it was it was kind of sad that we we missed the Narns in this episode. Um, that was a negative for me. Mm-hmm. I really kind of wished, you know, Aldous would have been able to go to to each of the different ambassadors and have a, a little bit more of an encounter. Um, so that was that was another negative for me. But what else did you have? Well, I'm kind of wondering how they found such a convincing copy, or either found or made such a convincing copy of Kasha's encounter suit. Because let's face it, for the real life production, they used the Kosh encounter suit and just then later threw in a a line of dialogue. Oh, it was some kind of copy. Uh, So how did they pull that off? Uh, because I would, I thought that the Vorlons were supposed to be so secretive. So surely the schematics for their encounter suit isn't just out there. There again, there is a previous episode where I pointed out the oddity that Kosh actually asked for some tools to have his encounter suit repaired. So maybe the encounter suit itself is not one of their secretive things. And they actually do give people schematics in case anybody ever has to repair something for a Vorlon. I, I, I don't know. But still, I thought it was kind of weird that there was an exact uh, copy. It just, I don't know, that seemed a little weird. Well, I will say I like it because I think it was Garibaldi made the comment of, oh, it's a pretty accurate replica on the outside and he kind of looks at kosh like we don't really know what's on the inside (laughs) so we don't know how to compare if it was a real or what but yeah um no i got you on that one uh what else we got uh well this is something that uh, another babylon 5 podcast i listened to they pointed this out too so they they caught the same thing i did which it looks like aldous gets hit in the shoulder but yeah, he like dies the arm. From that. Yeah, yeah but he dies from that yeah that was kind of weird i mean yes i know that ppgs they kind of burn through the skin and they can probably do some damage to inner tissue that we may not even see but it was still the shoulder it, it's like it, it would have missed his internal organs i can understand if his, maybe his arm didn't work anymore or maybe he had to go through some kind of major healing or surgery or or something to to repair but to die from it that was, that was weird <laughs> no i'm with you yeah i i definitely remember it, it looks like he just gets shot in the arm like oh okay well he should be all right and then it's like oh i'm not going to make it and it's like wait really <laughs> so yeah Nope, uh, that's a good good call out. Anything else in the brown sector? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. All right, let's move on. We're trucking line along in this episode. We're going to go right to the gray sector. Now entering gray sector. Beware of spoiler zone at end of sector. It's where we get a little bit of the look behind the scenes, go a little bit in depth. And then we'll give our ratings. And then we usually do kind of a soft close and we'll go into our spoiler zone for those that want a little bit of more in-depth of the Babylon but 5 universe. That might not be necessary this time because I don't I have say, I don't know that I even have a question this episode. Normally yeah. I have a question of how does this play into the bigger picture, but... This yeah, is kind of almost it. a pretty standalone episode. <laughs> yeah. So we, yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure how much of a spoiler zone we're going to have this episode, if any. So, but yeah, let's go ahead and start talking about some of that 
um, good stuff that you got for us. What all do you have knowledge of that's happening behind the scenes on this episode? Yeah, and actually, I do have quite a bit for this, so I'll either speed through it or take a break halfway through or, or both. So I already mentioned John C. Flynn III, that he had the, the cameo and everything. That was written by JMS because the episode ran short. Uh, it was so, just a filler scene. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, literally. But I, I'm glad he had to put it in because it was yeah. kind of funny. And I can't remember if it was for this episode or another one, but there was one where I think John C. Flynn III has done some acting in the past, but it's been a while. I, he was mostly a cinematographer. So when... JMS actually wrote this for him. I, I think he told him about it. And he was like, Hey, read, uh, you know, tonight memorize these lines. Cause you're going to do this tomorrow. And I think Flynn was a little bit concerned because it was like a whole page and JMS was like, ah, you'll be fine. Uh, so they actually had a little bit of back and forth before the episode, before Flynn was convinced that he could do this. Gaich, uh, the last name of the guest character in this episode, is the last name of Mira Ferland's husband, Goran Gaich. And uh, that's the, even though it looks like it's spelled Gajic, it's pronounced Gaich. And I think that is the Croatian pronunciation. Um, and Goran Gaich will later direct an episode of Babylon 5 in season five. Oh, cool. Uh, let me see. In early drafts of the episode, Kosh destroyed the Nocaline feeder with the explanation, some things we do not allow. Ooh. Uh, and I wonder if that was taken out because maybe it was too similar to what happened in Deathwalker when he said you were not prepared for immortality. Uh-huh. Uh, I wonder if it was just like too similar to that. It's like, eh, that, that's copying a little bit. Um, so I think most of the rest I have is about... Christy Marks, who wrote the episode. Uh, so do you have any questions or comments about the first few things I mentioned? No, no, no. I, I kind of like the alternate Kosh kind of thing, though, and and kind of wonder what that some things we do not allow, if that means he, they don't allow those creatures or if they don't allow those creatures to kind of, or the way that they used his encounter suit and made them look bad. I don't know. That's, that's just kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting little tidbit and yeah, it's kind of interesting how they, they changed that. Um, but yeah. Okay. No, what you got about Christy Mac marks? I said, Mac, Christy marks. Okay. So she got the job for several reasons. Uh, she had been friends with JMS for years. They were members of an animation writers bulletin board service. She had written seven scripts for JMS on captain power. Uh, she'd written one script for him on the Twilight Zone, the 1989 version. Uh, her late husband, Peter Ledger, was an Australian artist who JMS hired to do the artwork for the Babylon 5 network pitches. And I don't know if you've ever seen those pitches anywhere online, but uh, there are some semi-recognizable things in there, like the station and, and a Centauri and a Vorlon. Yeah. But they do end up looking quite a bit different uh-huh. You know, in the actual production they did in in those versions, those were just kind of like pitch versions. Uh, so the designs were changed a little bit for the actual production. Uh, and JMS hired Marks to do the B5 fan newsletter. So even though she wrote just this one episode, she was still doing stuff for Babylon 5 kind of behind the scenes. Uh, she said that the hardest things for her were joining the three storylines together and writing for Ivanova. 
I didn't elaborate in my notes, but if I remember correctly, I think she just had a hard time finding Ivano's voice. Uh, well, I will liked- say oh, that for being the hardest part, this is one of the episodes that I thought kind of was the smoothest as far as intertwining all the stories. You know, a lot of them, it's almost like the stories stand out. Like you definitely have this plot and then you have this other thing going on. And while they're happening at the same time, they're, they're very, there's very little overlap, but I felt like these were intertwined pretty well, especially, you know, say for her to say that she had difficulty doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Some of the things that she liked about this script were the Jinxo slash Babylon five, one, two, three, four backstory, the Kosh fake out, uh, all just visiting other ambassadors, which, you know, we've also mm-hmm. mentioned that's the one yeah. thing we like, and the concept of a true seeker. Uh, now, even when somebody else writes an episode, JMS still has a little bit of a fingerprint on things. So I've got the list of additions mm-hmm. and changes he made. Uh, he did add the backstory for Aldous about his family dying. Uh, I think Marx avoided such a story because she thought it might be too cliche, but she didn't know that someone as great as David Warner was going to be playing the part. Uh, and he's so great that, you know, he can make good dialogue or something that is cliche, yeah. cliche still feel powerful. Uh, he also added the part about the, uh, the courtroom scene with Flynn. Uh, so, well, I already mentioned that that was a, a cameo because the, uh, the episode ran short. Something that was changed was some stuff about the Minbari in Delenn's quarters. Uh, I don't have any of the specifics there, but it was probably stuff about the cast. He also changed some of the jokiness that Marx wrote for Jakar. Uh, or no, excuse me. Uh, some of the jokiness that Marx apparently originally wrote for Jakar ended up going to Londo. So some of that stuff was still there and JMS just changed which character it went to. Yeah, and that was probably just because Jakar wasn't in the episode. So, yeah, and you know, you made a comment earlier, and it kind of made sense that it's kind of expensive to have all the actors in one episode. So JMS probably didn't want every ambassador there, and since the Centauri had the connection to the Nakaling feeder, it made more sense to have Londo in there and to just leave Jakar out. Yeah. Also already mentioned this, but Kosh killing the feeder, that was left out. Uh, and then the one thing that was added was the quote I came up with or that I recited earlier about uh, Ivanova saying, uh, there's always a boom tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> and oh, actually, in parentheses, I do have here that Marx avoided writing for Ivanova because at the time, Ivanova was a new character and she had nothing to go on. So I guess, uh, you know, they've got to plan things out ahead of time. And I guess that maybe when Christy Marx got the job. Maybe that's back when she thought it was still going to be uh, Tamlin Tamita's character from the pilot. Uh, and I'm blanking on the character's name right now. Uh, Takashima. Uh, so, yeah, Christy just didn't know what to ha- how to write for Ivana. She didn't have that voice yet. Uh, Marx was chosen for this script because of the massive amount of research she did for two years of work on the Sierra online computer game Conquest of Camelot, King Arthur and the Search for the Holy Grail. It's a really long name for a computer game. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, JMS made B5 a writer-friendly set, so Mark's got to be there for the whole production. She said that David Warner was really great. Uh, He had suggestions for changing a few lines, but he always asked permission first. And he also coached Tom Booker with uh, B5 because it was his first role. Uh, and then I've got the part about, yeah, Richard Compton was fired. Uh, they still gave him the episode anyway. And John C. Flynn, not only did he have to step up and, uh, and be in that cameo, but as DP, he also ended up filling in for some of the main director role when Richard Compton just got ticked off and sat in a chair half the time. Oh, wow. Uh, the Knockling Feeder was adapted slightly for an alien race called The Triad on a TV show called Hypernauts. And it was a TV show that both Christy Marks and FX person Ron Thornton worked on later. Ron Thornton being that FX person on B5. And in the Q&A section of the script book where Marx uh, described all this, she also included four photos from the set. And I don't remember those off the top of my head, but I think one was of David Warner, possibly with her and Tom Booker. Again, I just don't remember the others off the top of my head. Okay. And so that's Very cool. Very cool. We usually you've got a kind of a section with like the mistakes, but I think in and I don't we don't really know if it's an intended mistake or what, but they did have the, the scene where we talked about already where they mention only the two Minbari classes. I don't know if that falls in that category or not. It's kind of hard to tell, but that seems like a kind of a mistake in the in this episode. Uh, but that's all I've got. Do you have anything else for this sector or besides before we get into our grade? Nope. I think that's it. All right. So now we have to grade this episode and this is where we use the, uh, side core scale. So from P one to P 12, P 12 being of course the highest P one, the lowest, and we give each episode a, a rating. What do you have for this episode 15, Grail? Uh, yeah, like I said, not exactly a bad episode, but not not way up there either. It's kind of near the middle of the scale, maybe the lower end of the middle third of episodes as far as quality. So I gave it on our P rating at P7. So, you know, kind of the upper end of the halfway point. Um, wow. And it, now, to its credit, I've, I've sometimes talked on this show about how there are about seven episodes that I used to not like, and now there are only six. One just barely made it in the like category. And I think that C plus is the lowest grade that I give something that is kind of in the kind of sort of like it, kind of sort of mediocre zone. If it's C or lower, uh, when I use letter grades, that's when I, I don't like it. If I remember correctly, Grail was the only C plus on my last rewatch years ago. Now, on this rewatch that you and I are doing together, I, I've gotten a few other C pluses already in addition to this one. Uh, but yeah, at the time, that was the that was kind of the bottom of the scale. It was on the borderline or the okay. bottom of the middle. Yeah, before you get to the bad ones. So what do you think? I'm right there with you. Actually, I, I gave this one a P7 for many of the same reasons. It, it's it's not a bad episode. It's enjoyable to watch. There are those distracting moments. And in many ways, 
it misses some of the the greatness of what you what makes the great episodes of Babylon Five. Um, yeah. You know, being able to see all the characters interacting is usually a, a, one of the greatest things. And this was a little bit more heavy in kind of side characters. You know, we're not really talking about a lot of the big characters and we're not developing them. We're not, you know, the, these are our guest stars. And while it's not a, a bad episode, it's good. It's enjoyable to watch. It just didn't feel like it was part of the the epic story that is Babylon five. You could pretty much kind of not watch this from what I can tell so far in the series. And it's yeah. not like you're missing any big plot points. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah. that in some ways makes it a weaker episode automatically. I think kind of like we discussed earlier that we, we probably don't need a spoilers on this, this episode, unless you've thought of something that we may need to add on. So we may just have to, to kind of give our plugs and, and sign off of this episode and we'll see what happens on the next one. Uh, are you okay with that? Yeah, I would be okay with that. Uh, Cause this doesn't really push anything forward too much. It doesn't hint at that much in the future, except for that one thing I, I, I said earlier. And then also I will say that to its credit, one thing it does kind of help out with the art is to remind us about the first three Babylon five stations uh, or excuse me, Babylon stations Four, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And about how they were dest- destroyed through sabotage. Uh, I'm sure that's been mentioned before, but maybe not since the pilot. And so it kind of serves as a little bit of a reminder, but really that's kind of the extent of its contribution to the arc. That's true. I I did not think about that, but yeah, I think there is a, it's a good point in the the season to kind of remind us there's a reason it's called Babylon five. You know, we know, you know, one, two, and three were, you didn't make it. And four mysteriously, I I forget how the character, he he says it kind of just was gone, right? It just blinked out of existence. Uh, um, And so it's good to kind of get those, reminders and, and that make that fresh as we kind of move ahead with some of the stuff and know that this is, you know, that Babylon five is important, but it's also um, kind of like Ivanova says, you know, boom tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's very tentative or not tentative, but it, you know, it, it, it could go at any moment and, uh, and they're living on the edge. So, so that's a good point. Uh, Well, I do want to encourage all of our listeners to remember to rate us on whatever pod listener that you listen to, you know, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your, to your podcast, make sure you rate us and tell your friends, uh, spread the word to other Babylon five people, you know, if, um, that this show is here and they can kind of catch us here and tune in to Todd and I's other podcast where we talk about other movies and sci-fi and fantasy and geek things the discerning geek portal and email us let us know how we're doing let us know what you think um, are the strengths of each episode or just what you would like to hear us talk about in the future our email address is discerninggeeks at gmail.com. You can also interact with us. I'm sorry, I said discerning geeks, and this is the discerning lurkers portal. <laughs> so, so you email have separate us. emails. Yeah. 
Yes, at discerninglurkers at gmail.com. But our Facebook page is the same for all of them, and that is Discerning Geeks Portal. So find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Discerning Geeks. So we look forward to hearing from you and interacting with you. We appreciate your time on this episode. Can't wait to catch you on the next one. Have a great evening. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us.